You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Wednesday, so it's time for Wayne on Wednesday. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FNB Wealth and Investment. Wayne, I just want to go back to a number that came out yesterday, and that was from a company called Cumber Iron Ore, part of the Anglo-American mm. stable. And I thought these numbers were absolutely spectacular. The market raced away and then closed down on the day. And I said to myself, does that signal something? I don't know. But the numbers were really, really good. Yeah. But look, you've got to look, you've got to understand the first thing. It's a commodity company. So by and large, its fortunes are dictated to by the commodity market and not by what the company does. Right. So the dramatic increase in earnings and the spectacular dividend and all of that was because the rand was weaker and the iron ore price averaged for them over $100 a ton. When you look at what the company did, they actually their unit cost prices went up, their production went down, one of their machines broke down, and they had some logistical issues. So in other words, if the, if the RAND iron ore price was exactly the same now as a year ago, the results would not have been good at all. Like you could have even made an argument they would have been quite poorly received by the market. So you've got to understand the context of how a commodity, especially a single commodity company, reports. Now, just a day or two before that, Amplats came out with their results, which were also spectacular. Yes. And they're also a fantastic dividend. But their, their gross profit, for want of a better word, went up by 6 billion rand. 3 billion rand was the rise in the palladium price, and 3 billion rand was a weaker rand. You know, so the actual company's production was down. So once again, very similar to Kumba, if the rand price of what they sold hadn't have gone up over the time period, the actual results from the company itself with the static commodity price would have been once again perceived by the market to be relatively poor. So you must understand, next year, the iron ore price could be 60. Then Kumba's earnings will halve. Then everyone will say, oh, it's a terrible result from Kumba, but it's actually got virtually nothing to do with the company or the management of Kumba. It is a commodity company. Now, yes. just to come back to your question on, on, on Kumba specifically, I mean, the one thing you know about a single commodity company is you know the price of that commodity. It's openly traded. You've got a good idea of what the company's volumes are. You've got a reasonably good idea of what their costs are per ton. So you can actually calculate it almost on a daily basis what their profits and what their cash flows should be. So a single commodity company's results should never, ever come as a major surprise to the market. You know, maybe there's some extraneous things that you didn't know about, but broadly speaking, you should know as an analyst more or less what they're going to produce. And the market did because, I mean, the share price, and just to go back in history, the share price was 25 rand in 2015. You know, they're giving you a 31 rand dividend now for six months. You know, so that's the nature of a commodity company. So that was the market was anticipating these results and maybe anticipating a little bit more than these results, hence the little bit of weakness in the share price. And I mean, in my view, a hundred over a hundred for iron ore, in fact over sixty for iron ore, is unsustainable over time. Because iron ore, there's plenty of iron ore around at a hundred dollars a ton. 
there's more than what the world can consume at $100 a ton. It might take a bit of time for that to come onto the market because of logistics, railway lines, port capacity, ship capacity, et cetera, et cetera. But I can promise you every single person who owns an iron ore mine is looking at how they're going to how, looking at ways and means to increase production. And all of those Chinese mines that shut down when the price fell below 80 because they didn't make money are now going to start up again because now they're going to make money. So eventually the iron ore price must settle at a significantly lower level than the current level because the current level is engineered to a certain extent by all the slime dam collapses that Vale had yes. that took, that took I don't know, was it 50 million tons, 80 million tons out of the market? That's why the price is so high. So understand there's very specific reasons why the Kumba iron, why, 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 why the iron ore price is so high. And you can make a very good argument. There's also very specific reasons why the palladium price is so high, essentially the diesel scandal, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that's also the gap between palladium and platinum is also unsustainable over time. You know, so be cautious when you look at these results and think, this is fantastic, I must buy this company. Yes. This could very easily be the peak, very, very easy. Well, this is and what I'm going to talk to you about, for Wayne. For commodity companies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This is what I'm going to talk to you about now. How long have you been in the business, Wayne? Longer than I could even remember. 20 years, right? 20, 20 years, 25 right years, easily. Yeah. Okay. 10 years yeah. ago, Kumba Iron Ore was trading at 25 rand 35 per mm. share on massive, massive volume as well. And then it kept yes. on going up here and there, and etc. And it peaked. It peaked at 515 rand and 58 cents per share. And that was 21 days ago. Okay. Now it's yeah. fallen 3% today. Now, when you, yeah. let's, let's say that you'd been away and you'd been on a sabbatical for a few years and you came back and I said to you, Wayne, you haven't seen any of the JSE prices. But I'm going to show you Kumba Iron Ore now. It's gone from 25 to 515 or 519. Yeah. You'd say, Lindsay, sell it, please. It's too much now. Would you not say that? I would think so. Yeah. I would think so. You must remember Kumba peaked at 500 odd in 2008 and it ended up at 25 Rand in 2015. So it's not the first time it's done this little trip. I mean, Anglo-American, I think, peaked at 650 yes. in 2007, 2008. Its bottom was 50 rand. You know, and when its bottom hit 50 rand, they were going to sell Kumba Iron Ore because they regarded it as a non-core asset. You know, so this is the life of a commodity company. These things are heavily cyclical. They are actually at the end of the day when push comes to shove. With the possible exception of the platinum companies, Yes. But, but mining companies, commodity companies, when push comes to shove, they're actually poor quality because they go from, you know, sinking into swimming. And, you know, one year, I mean, I can remember in 2008, Anglo-American was making so much money mm -hmm. that the, if current conditions had have continued, their forward price earnings ratio with the massive surge in earnings would have been at five. It turned out that it actually was five, but it turned out to be a five price earnings ratio because the price collapsed, you know, not, not too far over that. Now, having said all of that, how these are not true quality companies. There's one big advantage that the commodity companies have got now in an economic downturn is that they have not spent the capital. 
you know, they spent in the super cycle, they spent money like it was no tomorrow because money was flowing in the door. And all of that production came on in 2010, 2011, 2012 and flooded the market, collapsed the prices, and you had that. These companies virtually went bankrupt in 2015 and they learned to listen. They have not spent the capital. They're starting now, but they have not spent the capital nearly as aggressively in the last five, five years than what they did in the previous 10 years. So the world is slowing down. The world growth rate is slowing down. The outlook doesn't look all that positive for commodities or commodity shares, but they've got one seriously large saving grace. There's no supply wave coming onto the market. So the chances in the next down cycle, now whether that down cycle has started or not, no one knows, it could have, but the chances are in the next down cycle, Anglo-American and Kumba will get nowhere near 50 rand and 25 rand a share. They'll come down, but yeah. they won't come down nearly as much because there's no supply wave hitting the market for the next two or three years at, at, at minimum. Wayne, let's have a look at another couple of companies on the Stock Exchange news service announcements today. And the first one is AECI. Old school. Yes. I mean, when you first started, AECI was probably that part was of your about. portfolio, wasn't it? What do you do oh, with it course. now? And people can't remember what, what AECI stands for. It stands for African Explosives and Chemical Industries. Bang, bang. And its nickname, its nickname was Bang, bang, as you quite correctly said. Yes. Now, but look, they were surprisingly enough quite upbeat in their commentary. I mean, they said credible results. You know, they, they were not downbeat in their, in, in, their, in their outlook. They've had problems with uh, the one chemical company, I forget its name now, and they had problems with uh, the intelligent explosive section, and they had to do some restructuring costs there. But if you ignore those restructuring costs, they actually didn't do too badly. And, you know, as I said, it was quite unusual to read a company that's South African-focused who were and they weren't upbeat, but they weren't excessively negative as every other company has been in their in their management uh, con uh, uh, commentary. But I mean, AECI is essentially a mining company, and the mining the mining industry in South Africa, put aside the uncertainty and the mining charter and the land story, you know, it's not actually in bad shape because we've just spent five minutes talking about how much money uh, Amplats and Kumbo are making. So the mining section is actually not in bad shape in South Africa. It's the one part of our economy that can actually show reasonably strong growth, everything globally staying the same over the next two or three years. Um, so, yes, yeah, quite positive, actually. Okay, we had a trading statement from Impact. I don't know if you know that company, but also had something from Metair. Metair is a fascinating company yes. uh, to me. What is your view on Metair? Do you own it? What do you think of it? Now, look, we don't own it. It's unfortunately quite a small company, but very similar to AECI. That's been around forever. Metair has been around forever, and they original equipment manufacturer for Toyota. Yes. And other and other cars. But they, they look, it was a very brief trading statement, but their earnings are up. You know, they're not collapsing. But unfortunately, it's a very small company, very, very low liquidity. So it's it's actually not even something we can consider buying into simply because of the tradability of the share. But, and, the, but the trading update was quite good. And on that note, 
It must be very difficult for you these days with the JSE shrinking. I mean, for example, Pioneer Foods leaving the exchange. It must be very, very difficult for you to have a look at your universe and say, well, how many stocks do I look at this morning? You sit at your desk at uh, FNB Wealth and Investment and you say to yourself, what do I look at today? And this is a shrinking universe, Wayne. It must be difficult for you or maybe even easier for you. I don't know which. Tell me. Uh, Well, look, I'm not too sure which either, but we understand we own Aspers, we own the mining companies, we own Richmond, we own a couple of other ones. That got, they might be listed here, but they've got nothing to do with South Africa. Yeah. And of course, we've got between 20 and 30% of our portfolios in direct global shares. So, you know, I think it's, we, we, we discussed this the other day, I think it's inevitable that the JSE continues to shrink over time. Mm. Uh, I think, unfortunately, the global markets are just bigger than the local market, and they've probably got more growth prospects than the local market. doesn't mean you can ignore the local market. And I mean, I read a very interesting article talking about essentially growth shares versus value shares as to how value shares have been decimated and are at extremely low valuation levels now. So there the classic example is the retailers and the banks. You know, maybe there's an opportunity sitting on South African shares. But over time, everyone's portfolio in the country will become more and more exposed to global asset classes than local asset classes. Because remember the old days, which weren't that long ago, you know, 20 years ago, you had 100, not, not yeah, 18 years ago, you had 100% of your money on the JSE. And most of the JSE companies were South African companies, putting the mining companies aside for the moment. Yeah, so I think this, this, this move is inevitable and will continue. So it's a tough environment for the JSE as a company. Tough environment for AVI as well, because they came out with a voluntary trading update and statement mm. for the year ended 30th of June. It says here the group revenue was 1.2% higher than the prior year. And then it goes on to say the following. The trading environment was difficult throughout the financial year with weak consumer spending, limiting sales volumes in many of our categories. In other words, they're not selling as much stuff as, as they want to. Yeah. And the share price down 4 to 5%. Yeah. Look, they were quite clever in a few things. They said one of their competitors went on a price war and they said, we're just not doing it. So when you read their commentary, they say gross margin was actually okay. Just that volumes were down. They, they, their snack business, I think the creams and the biscuits, mm. did actually did very, very well. The, the problem sit in their fashion, their shoe side. First of all, they've closed down or restructured Green Cross. And that actually hurt their income statement quite a bit. Then the volume declines actually they're talking about actually came from the spit side of the business, the other part of the shoe business. So I suppose you would expect an economic downturn. People aren't going to buy that many expensive shoes. Mm. And Green Cross has been a bit of a liability of theirs for actually quite a while now. At least they've taken decisive action. But, you know, in this sort of environment, earnings down 4 or 5%, I mean, this is not catastrophic. I'm surprised the share price was down 5 was that the shares also trading at a in a, in relation to its history, a very very low price earnings ratio. I think it's about sixteen or seventeen now. You know, normally this thing trades way above twenty. I mean, AVI is a high quality company over time. Yes, it is, but it's down five percent today, or between four and a half and five percent. One other company which we have to close our discussion on is Aspen. Uh, it's ninety three rand a share, down five and a third percent. 
this is relentlessly selling. I mean, it's stabilised, and I thought, well, maybe it'll get its way back to 150 over the next uh, year, 18 months. But no, 93 now, Wayne. What is your attitude yeah. towards a really, really high-quality company with fantastic management, got a little bit of ahead of itself, but suddenly it's 93 rand a share? No, and the wolves are at the door now, so let's take a bit of a history tour there. Very aggressive acquisition company, bought just about anything that moved in the pharmaceutical business and expanded their production and just too many irons in the fire and too much debt. And all of a sudden, the debt monster came and bit them and they were forced to sell their true high-quality asset, which was the Chinese milk infant formula business. Yeah because they had to put money in the bank. Then they had two bits of news came out of them that disappointed the market enormously. The first one was what seemed to be a severe delay in getting that money because of regulatory issues in New Zealand and competition commissioner, but it doesn't matter. They promised the money would come in at this date and it came in quite a bit later. So that also worried the market, you know, why did they say this when it didn't actually happen? And then very soon after that, they announced they're looking for a partner to come in, essentially a partner to come in and put some money into the company for their European businesses. I mean, that's that's good news. They need money. They need help with distribution because it's quite expensive, et cetera, et cetera. And then all of a sudden they announced, no, this deal's off. You know, so management's lacking a little bit of credibility as far as the market's concerned. And you can see that in the share price quite clearly. You mentioned the phrase push comes to shove earlier on uh, yeah. regarding some particular share. I think it was Kumba Iron Ore. Uh, what do you think about yeah. the market at the moment? Are you going to be pushed or are you going to be shoved? What is your view towards the market at the moment? Uh, specifically, actually, let's go international now. Are you pushing or shoving when it comes to the S&P, Dow, NASDAQ, no. which are all at record highs? We're a little bit cautious here. Very simplistic answer. At the end of the day, company earnings drives the markets, yeah. and company earnings are influenced by interest rates. Now, lower interest rates is, of course, good for the market, but interest rates are being lowered because the economy is not doing so well. So I don't think we're on the verge of a collapse. Lots of people are saying this. Collapses only happen in periods of rising interest rates because of rising inflation, yeah. and that doesn't exist. It doesn't mean the market can't come down 10 15 20%. So we're a little bit cautious because the underlying foundation, company earnings, seems to be eroding and the market's just propped up by higher interest rates. So we'd rather just sit back and wait a little bit and see what happens. And just coming back to the push coming to shove, do you remember the first time we were exposed to that saying in South Africa, let's test your memory and your age? Okay, Okay, go on. No, I don't. J.R. Ewing in Dallas. You remember J.R. Ewing in Dallas. I know you. Oh, of course I do, yeah. J.R. Ewing. I mean, every Thursday night in South Africa, I mean, I was in England at the time probably, but every single Thursday night, restaurants would close, bars would close, and everybody would watch Dallas. I love Dallas. Well, he was the first time I ever heard when push comes to shove. And did you watch Dallas, uh, Wayne? I watched it religiously, maybe the first one or two series, but as soon as... As soon as Bobby started becoming the Aquaman and swimming in make-believe water, I stopped watching any of that. Well, itself. I lost interest in Dallas, actually, when he he was killed off and then he came back and, and he they said it back. was just a dream or a something. Dream. That was stupid. Yeah, but J.R. Ewing, 
Larry Hagman was one of my all-time television heroes. Yeah. I mean, he was evil suppose, and horrible, but he did, always did it yeah. with a twinkle in his eye. His eye, yeah. But I suppose any TV series, when they get onto uh, get onto series seven, you just know they've run out. They've run out of ideas. Okay, well, this is Series 6 of Wayne McCurry, Wayne on Wednesday. Mm. Wayne McCurry is a portfolio manager at FMV Wealth and Investment, and he'll be back the same time next Wednesday. That podcast was proudly brought to you in association with sharenet.co.za. Visit strictlybusinesspodcast.com and subscribe to receive exclusive content straight to your inbox.